This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, good morning to all of you today. Oh, glad to be here with you. Um, I want you to pray for my voice just a little bit. It's a result of a hot, humid Alabama summer and getting warm real quick. And then I like to roll the window down on the way home from the uh, farm. And, of course, the uh, air conditioning, that's a wonderful combination. Let's uh, get into the Word of God today. I want to talk to you about spaces and graces. You know, we talked last week about the Father's love, and God is a Father. The Bible says God is love. He has a Father's love that always results and comes to us as a Father's help. You know, love, the Bible says, gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him would not perish or be destroyed but would have everlasting life through the salvation, the saving grace of God Almighty. Love gives. Love gives, in particular, grace. And it's all because of Jesus. I want to read in Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 1 and 2. This is out of the Message Bible. And it says, By entering through faith, into what God has always wanted to do for us. Set us right with him. Make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting praise. I want to zero in on today this phrase, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace. God has opened up wide his heart and his hand towards us. Jesus spread on a cross. It's a a sign and a symbol that God's arms are wide open for anyone that will run to him for rescue and for salvation. But we find ourselves in the wide open spaces of God's grace. You know, God, who is love, sees you, and he sees as you see. He sees from your position and from your perspective. You know, Jesus came to us. Jesus came to us. He came for us. And he became one of us. That's very important that we realize uh, this. It's not a God made of wood or stone. Not a God that you could never see or touch. The Bible says that he became the captain of our salvation. That he is a high priest for us who feels what we feel. Who has lived like we've had to live. 
who entered into our world that he might bring us back to God and back into the world as God would have it to be, the world that God wanted all along. He became one of us. He says of himself. Now, we declare him to be the Son of God, the big question of the day. Tell us, are you the Son of God? Because he constantly referred to himself as the Son of Man. Why was that? Because he was identifying with us. And he wasn't just from a snapshot or, you know, a long shot. He came and walked among us. He became a man, the Bible says. Think of that God became a man in order uh, to bring us to God. You know, Jesus gave us this space for the place that we were in. His purpose and graces this way was not to leave us like he found us or as we are. Ephesians, the second chapter, we read a little bit of this last week in the Passion Bible. I want to read it out of the Message Bible because it shows our condition and our position when he came for us. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Let me say something here about knowing God. You'll know what God is doing because you know who God is. See, there is that, and weigh everything against this. It is God's nature. It is who God is to love and to believe the best of everyone. It is God's nature to be redemptive. Anything that comes down the pike that leaves no room for us to repent or change or be changed. It's not the nature of God. Now God is a judge, but he'll do what's right. Remember Abraham said this, he said, surely you will not deal with the righteous the same way that you would deal with the wicked. He said, if there's just a few, surely you won't destroy it all if there's just a few. That's the nature of God. When God, when God said, get away from them to Moses, said, I'm going to destroy the whole lot of them. Moses said, no, you're not going to do that. Think about your great name. Think about who you are. Don't let the enemy have a voice over you and accuse you of doing something wrong because you are rightness in its own self. Love will always do what's right. The Bible says that God changed his mind. Why? Because of who he is. In other places in the Bible, he says, I'm not going to deal with you the way that you should be dealt with or that you need to be dealt with. Even he said, uh, according to your own self, said, I'm going to deal with you according to who I am. Now listen to the next verse. Listen to the next verse. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense 
in mercy. And with an incredible love, he embraced us. My God, what a good news gospel we have to preach. Boy, you look at yourself and look at folks and, boy, you know, we deserve some things. But mercy gives us what we didn't deserve, so we don't get what we do deserve. His mercy is immense and his love immeasurable. This is the God that we serve and this is the God that we need to be serving up for other folks. You need to know him for yourself so you can make him known to others. Know the real God. It's so easy. It's so easy to go negative in a world that's completely negative. But I'm telling you, out of this world, we are in it, but we're not of it. God came down into this world, and he brought the kingdom, and he brought a restoration. The world was upside down. God turned it right side up again. And if you'll accept Jesus as your master and your Lord and Savior, this love is yours. Under the shadow of his wings, you know where the wings are? They are the angelic cherubim sitting over the mercy seat. Sit on the mercy seat of God. Let God stay in that place of immense mercy. An incredible love. He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. The Bible says it was the Father personally present in Christ Jesus on the cross reconciling the world to his own self. God took it on him own self, did it all by himself so that you and I could come and realize who he is and, and understand ourselves because the father is the one who gives identity the Father tells you who you really are and why and what and how. And without a father, we don't have a clue. It is the mother nature to give birth, but it is a father who gives identity. Oh, you are loved so loved with an incredible love. And all God's dealing with you right now in this time of grace. See, a lot of people are saying, well, this is a time of judgment and God's going to just fire this whole thing up and do away with a whole lot of us. God isn't finished yet. There's too many that are undone. There's too many that are not, that have not become the new creation yet. And God is not going to do it until the last one. He'll lead the 99 looking for the last one. And you and I have the same job. We're going to look until, and we're going to work and we're going to, and we're going to love until the last one. Quit wondering if it, you know what, uh, what time it is. It's time to get to harvest in the barn. It's time to work in the field. It's time to look for that one that's within your sphere of influence and tell them about a father's love and a father's help. No, he doesn't leave us like he found us. So 
said he took our sin dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up. Oh, he embraced us. He graced us. He didn't want to leave us like he found us. He came to lift us. I'll tell you, love lifts lives. It doesn't put folk down. It doesn't push folks back. It lifts folks to the highest place. Lift them to God. Lift them to the love to the love of their life. The one who loved them with an immense love that he gave himself for us. He embraced us. He graced us. He lifted us. He picked us and raised us up. Everybody say up. Where? To a new position. To give us a new perspective. Grace is God's gift. Graced us means that he empowered us. He enabled us for a new work. I want to look over at some other familiar scriptures found over here in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. It says this, verse 14, beginning there. Our firm decision then is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. One man. Man, Christ Jesus. Man who feels what everybody feels. Man who knows. A man who says, I understand because he became a man. He died for everyone. Now, you know, there's, a, there, there's this business, it's religion at its best. That God's a picking and a choosing. He picked everyone. He made a way for everyone. He died for everyone. You don't, you and I have no, listen, the Bible says God is the judge. It also says the spiritual man judges all things, things, not folk, not people. You have no right to judge another man's servant. You have no right to judge or listen if you're white to judge black, if you're black to judge white, if you're red to judge yellow or any judgment of anyone else except your own self. Where are you with God? That's the only judgment. Judge yourself so that you're not judged because there's one judgment in the world. God so loved the world. He came into this world, became one of us, gave himself for us that we would not perish. Anyone, everyone would not perish, but that all would be saved by his grace that his love gave. But this is the condemnation He said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. But this is the condemnation that you reject the one that came to give you life. That's it. That's the only condemnation that there is. But we have no right to point to somebody else. 
saved or unsaved and point the finger and sit in judgment over their life about their do's and don'ts, their ups, their downs, their struggles, their pains. No right whatsoever except to listen, judge this one thing. Uh, do they know Jesus? And they don't have to know Jesus like you know Jesus. They need to religiously and ritually. They need to know Jesus in a reality that he is the merciful God. I'll tell you I'm convinced of this one thing and you'll never convince me of anything else. God is good. God is love. God is light. And anything that measures up against that and questions that in any way is not the God that I know. I have fully persuaded God is good. And he's been good to America. We celebrate the 4th of July. I know there are a lot of folks that don't like this nation. Let me tell you, there's a lot of other places in the world. If this one ain't good enough for you, this one has fault. You can find fault. This one has problems and cracks, major situations. All right? But God has graced you and allowed you to live in this place and to hear what you hear. Are you listening? And I'll tell you, God's going to have to be God whether you're here or whether you're there. If you don't like this one, listen, be thankful and be grateful that here you can come today. Here you can hear what God has to say. Here there is a liberty still. We still can raise our voice in the street no matter what you want to say. You can still say it. But then after everything is said and done, God is the one in whom we need to have our trust. God is the one who should be served. God is the one who should be uh, exalted and lifted up on high because the Bible says when we lift Jesus up, all men will be drawn unto him. And I'll tell you folks, things will draw folks out. Get them out. Get them, you know, whether sad or mad or glad, it doesn't matter, but things will draw. But now listen, let's lift Jesus up. Let's lift a Jesus up who loves folks. Let's lift a Jesus up who is the truth. Be careful what you're listening to and who you're following in these days. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm still going to let God have the final say so. God is still good. God is still working. Well, I don't believe that. I'll tell you, I see just a whole bunch of junk. Sister, brother, I'm here. And if I'm going to stand like an Abraham, surely you're not going to deal with the righteous the same way you're going to deal with the wicked. Surely you're, surely there's still a shelter. Surely there's still a refuge. Surely your name is not changed and you are still a high tower that we can run into and be saved. Surely there's still light at the end of the tunnel. Surely in the darkness there's still a light that can shine as a city on a hill. Surely. God is still God no matter what. No matter who isn't happy with that or whatever, it doesn't really matter, does it? Are you listening? With him, everybody's life matters. But I'll tell you, your eternal life matters more than any other form of life that you'll ever live. You can't change what has happened, but honey, you and I can be part of what's going to happen next. And I'll tell you what's going to happen next while the world is sinking into a gross darkness. The Bible says you and I are to rise and to shine. Put your own face in this sunshine. Put your own face into the bright dawning morning of a brand new thing and a brand new day with God. 
Out of this ruin will come, re will come resurrection revival. I declare it in the name of Jesus and I believe, forgive me for being, we're, we're celebrating a birthing of our nation. I believe we're celebrating a rebirthing of our nation. Oh, there's pain involved in birth. There's sweat. There's blood. There's, there's a lot that's involved in that. But I'll tell you once the new thing is here, we're glad that we have the new thing. And God has declared a new thing and a new season over our lives. But boy, we need to use a new measure. So our firm decision is to work from this focus center. One man died for everyone. Black everyone, white everyone, red everyone, yellow everyone. Everyone. Nobody matters any more than the other one to God. And it's to God that we'll all go. And it's to God that we'll all show what we believed and who we believed. I'm not here to challenge what you believe, but I am here to ask you in whom you do believe. Paul said, I know him in whom I have believed. There are a lot of voices, as Pastor Sandy said, as the Bible says, and none without significance. Well, who are you listening to? Who will have the final word in your life? It says that puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included. Also be included in his life. A resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Man does not have the answer. For all of the progress. For all of the inter intelligence. For all of the education. Man still can't get along with one another. Well, what's the answer? Well, it's in this book. Because of this decision. See, we have a focused center. We are not this way one way and that way one way. I'm not this way when I'm with my white friends. I'm not that way when I'm with my black friends. I'm not this way in private and that way in public. I'm going one way, and that's going to be his way. Not perfect. Are you listening? Not perfect, but I'm telling you, trying to grow up into a sonship that is pleasing to the Father. So because of this decision to be focused, that everyone, everyone in my life, everyone in the circle that my life can touch, everyone, Jesus died for everyone there. And that's all that matters. Have they, are they knowledgeable of that? Do they have any understanding of that? Do they realize that? Has anyone said that to them? Now I realize that I'm challenging some things in this house today. I have a right to do that because you named the name of Jesus. And I'm representing him here today. And I'm, and I'm going to gently but firmly get you to turn your face from all of this. Well, it's happening, yeah, but there's something greater happening. 
And that's part of this, not the other way around. We're not trying to paste God onto what man is doing. I'll tell you, God is all about what he's doing, and man is at the center of it. No matter whether we like what we see or don't like what we see, hey, the birth of process is messy. <laughs> There's a whole lot of hollering sometimes go on in it because it's painful, stressful. But you're transitioning into a transformation. Something that was on the inside is coming to the outside. Amen. God has a right to shake every foundation. And if it begins to crumble, are you listening, and crack, then it's not the right one. It needs to be the rock of Jesus Christ. It needs to be the kingdom of the almighty God. That's the one that can, that can stand the scrutiny. Truth can stand the scrutiny. Truth will hold up no matter what. No matter how many lies. Because there's great contrast between a God who is good. A God who gives grace. A God who is a savior, a rescuer, and deliverer, and the murderer, thief, and liar, and slanderer, and accuser, and, and the division maker. Amen? The Bible says, blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, they'll inherit the earth. Amen? They're the sons and daughters of God. You know, you got to have peace in order to make peace. You got to receive peace with God in order to have peace with others. Well, here we go. Now that you're thrilled, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We don't look on the outside. Even have to look past what people do or don't do. We have to, it says we certainly don't look at him, Jesus, that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and new life burgeons. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the possibilities of the new creation. Look at folks. In this way, what would they be like in Christ Jesus? What would they look like washed in the blood that all of their sins were taken away? All the pain of, and fear of punishment were gone. All of the not enough was swallowed up in the Jesus who is more than enough. What if they came out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. You know, there is an awakening that's happening. Are you listening? But remember this, see, you know, and the world's kind of running off with that term. They call it different. They change one letter, wake and woke. But if you're still, if you, if you, if you get awoke and you're still in the dark, if you're not waking up to God, 
Are you listening? You're waking up to someone and something else. Oh, come on now. Well, one of the basic premises of being a Christian, you need, we need to understand this. There are two gods. There are only two sources of everything. Okay, there's the good God and there's the other one. And Jesus said, you're either serving one or you're serving the other. You can't serve both. Amen. Does that make people bad? Well, here's the thing. You know, you and I aren't any right to call one good or one bad. Jesus, when somebody called him good, he goes, why do you call me good? There's none that's good. That's a good answer for us. Are you listening? But what we do is, is are they in the light? Are they saved? Are they awake? Is there, are they alive unto God? Or not? Because there's going to be two different attitudes and two different actions where that's concerned. If the blind lead the blind, they'll wind up in a ditch. But the Bible says, be in the light as he is in the light. Who are you following? We've got to follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. You've got to know God for yourself. Anyone united with Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. Look at the possibilities of a new life. All this comes from God, who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. You can't settle a relationship with each other until we've settled our relationship with God. It's just that simple. Amen? Remember, they accused Jesus. They said, you're of the devil. He goes, he goes if I'm of the devil, he said, you need to understand. He said, the devil's house is constantly divided. And it'll fall. Amen? A mark of the devil's constant division. It's the work of the devil. The work of God is reconciliation, settling differences. Let me ask you, are you, you know, are you just talking about the problem or are you working with the promise that we're trying to settle differences? We're trying to settle differences. We're trying to make for peace. Amen. Now listen, if the Lord's putting his finger on the one spot in your life that you're withholding from him, that's your situation. That's not mine today. Amen. I'm just simply being a messenger here. I'm not judging you one way or the other. The devil would love for you to look at me and say, well, he don't know. He don't understand. Well, see, God knows and God understands. And grace is given to the place, you know, for each and every one of us. I don't look at you like from, you know, well, whose side are you on, Pastor? God's side. Your side. Amen. If you're, if you're a, a saint, see, you're my friend. If you're a sinner, Jesus was the friend of sinners, so you're still my friend. If you don't see like I see, that's all right. If I don't see like you see, that's all right. Let's see like he sees. See, because as a new creation, let me finish reading this. It says this. 
God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. Well, I really don't want to go there, but you know there's some things that Sandy's done in the past uh, that I could go back and, and, uh, and just build, if you'll afford me, a monument to and just drag her back there every time. See, our relationship's not going to last long. There's some stuff, it's like, I forgive you, and then I'm moving on, okay? If that reminds you uh, uh, of that mistake, of that misstep, we'll do whatever we need to do, okay? I don't want anything that's going to offend you. But here's the thing. It's not the thing in the physical. It's the thing that's of the heart. Are you listening? Amen. It's the offense. It has nothing to do with the outward. It's everything to do with the inward. And the only freedom, real freedom from it is this. It is simply to forgive and to move on. You've heard me share this before. I have scars on my hands. They remind me of something that was painful and that happened, but they don't hurt anymore. It's a mark on my life. There are marks on your history and my history. On our history. Are you listening? There are. See, but if it still hurts, it's not healed. I'm praying that God will heal our land. But I have to turn from wicked ways, which means that I cannot have unforgiveness and judgmentalism and criticism. And are you listening? And and harbor hidden resentments and all this kind of stuff. Uh or a hidden agenda. I cannot. I can't have freedom and hold on to that. I have to let it go. Amen. The Lord said, "If you want to walk in forgiveness and have my forgiveness, you have to forgive." What would the world be like if, if we could, if if the opposing sides could say, "You know what." There's been an offense. It's real. But I forgive. I choose to forgive. I'll tell you one of the, one of the prime examples that we have in this house is Miss Dorothy Heard. Walk downtown with Miss Dorothy and she'll say, you know, I remember when that business right there, I had to walk through a separate door. I had to use a separate restroom. Live through all of that stuff. You will not find a resentful, bitter bone in her body. She loves everyone. You cannot meet that woman. She hugs white people, hugs black people, hugs black people, hugs white people, hugs folks that have mixed marriages and all that kind of stuff. That's so ridiculous. It shouldn't even have to be addressed, but it does need to be addressed. Amen. You want to see an example of what this looks like, of being reconciled to God, settling difference between people? That little old woman had lived through it. The love of God flows through her. A river, a river of living water. You want to see what I'm talking about here? Look at her. And there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people across this nation, across the world, that, are, that have done the same thing. Amen.
see, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. What's he doing? Reconciling. That's his nature. He's loving and giving. He's gracing. He's coming to people where they are, but not to leave them where they are. It says we are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. This is a powerful verse of Scripture. Are we just seeking to persuade our friends of our personal persuasion and and staying with the problem? Or are we going to walk in the promise of this and work the promise that our job is to persuade folks? Amen? Not to see it our way, to see it God's way. Not to prove a point, but to get the point. See it God's way. Why are you saying all these things? Because I am determined that there's no room for prejudice in this house. What we have is too priceless, too precious, costs too much to, uh, to not address it. If folks say we need to talk about it, we're talking about it. Well, you're doing all the talking. Well, that's okay. It's a good place to start doing some listening. You'll get your turn. Amen. You go talk to God about it, and then you talk among yourselves, but you also need to talk to other people. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. See, you can't persuade other folks to drop differences if you haven't dropped them. Realize that everybody's in the same boat. It doesn't do any good to shoot at one another in the boat. You're going to all sink together. It doesn't do any good to set the boat on fire. I hope we all learn how to swim real quick. We're in the same boat. We need God. And let me tell you something, brother, sister. We need one another. Your life is not going to ever reach its full potential by being by being apart. The devil wants to, wants to separate us. Wants to get this little group and that little group and then, and then accuse us to one another. Can't you see that? All right. Drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend to you. How, you ask? Well, in Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. You know, as a new creation, from a new position of being reconciled to God, being friends with God, we don't see people now like we saw them before. Now we see as he sees. First, we need to see him. We need to see the master. We need to see the Lord Jesus. We need to see the father that he came to show us. And in seeing him, you need to see you. You need to see the real you. Amen. Are you free? I mean, are you really free? Do you know the truth in your own heart? The truth that we're all in the same boat. Some of us are saved and some of us are not. And the ones that are need to help those that are not to be saved. There's grace. 
We need to come to them like Jesus came to us. And I'll tell you, Jesus really does know injustice. He knows prejudice. He knows wrong. You know, I'm sure that Jesus could be tremendously offended at the cross, at the symbol of the cross. But the Bible says he looked beyond the suffering of the cross to the prize that was there. He saw you raised up. He saw you coming alive. Are you listening? Ask him about it. I'm sure he'll be willing to share with you. We see him. We have to see ourselves. And then we see others, everyone, as he sees. You know, from this position, there's only saved and unsaved. That's all. There's only the new creation man, or there's an old world order and man with a fallen nature. The Bible teaches us that if we can freely receive, then we can freely give. We need to freely receive this grace. This wide open space of God's grace. The wide open spaces of God's grace. Give some folks some space. Are you listening? Give some folks some space. Try to understand where they're coming from, where they are, what they've been through. Everything they've been through has brought them to the place that they are. The Bible says that when one mourns, we mourn with them. When one hurts, we hurt with them. But you know, we can't leave. We can't leave folks hurting and wounded and mourning. We need to lift lives. We need to allow ourselves to be lifted and have this new, have a position and a perspective. It may be totally different from the world. Welcome to the kingdom. We're in the world, but we're not of it. Don't get carried away in the currents and the winds of doctrines that come. We're to grow up in Jesus until we have the full stature that there's a maturity in our lives that we see like he sees. We know like he knows. We understand like he understands. If we'll freely receive the grace that love gives, then and only then can we give others the grace that love gives. And only love can give that kind of grace. You know, the Bible says this is a work. Tell everyone what love is doing. Love is giving this grace. It's a saving grace. I want to ask, what about you today? See, because when we see God, we also need to see ourselves as we really are. When we see him as he really is, then we see ourselves as we really are. And you know, every church, which meant every person in the seven churches in Revelation, the Lord said, I really like this about you, but there's this one thing I really don't like at all. So that takes away the need for perfection. The fantasy and fallacy, you know, uh, of perfection. Because only one is perfect and that would be him. 
but he still loves us anyway. Amen? And surely he doesn't deal with the righteous the same way that he does with the wicked. What would the wicked be? Those who have decided not to follow him. But the righteous are those that have accepted his wonderful gift of grace. Let me ask you, what about you today? Where are you in relationship with God? Because that's going to determine where you are in relationship with others. We've got to first learn to love, to be loved by God in order to love ourselves and to love like others like God loves them. To see them as God sees them. And I'm going to give you grace. Love will say, I'm going to give you grace to be in the place that you're in. I'm going to give you grace to be and give you space for the place that you're in. You're either in the dark or you're in the light or you're trying to live in the gray areas. Honey, those gray areas this year especially are disappearing quickly. Are you listening? And the only right side is God's side. It will never be man's side. These folks shout over here and these folks holler over there. But you know what? God is up here. Meet God in the middle. God's side is the only right side. God's word is the only word, is the final word. And God's truth is the only truth because it is the truth. Honey, when the world goes crazy, the word is still. Stable, strong, secure, the found. His love is the solid foundation for our lives. You're under the sound of my voice today. I'm asking you, where are you at in your relationship with God? You know, that begins with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a religion or a ritual or a bunch of rules or regulations of do's and don'ts. It is simply a decision. It is a choice. To ask Jesus to lead your life. To ask the Lord into your, to invite him into your life. So let's do that now. We'll pray a simple prayer, but I'm going to ask you to open your heart. God has opened his heart wide to you. Open your heart wide to God today. It would be the best decision that you've ever made. It would be the very best thing that you've ever done. Dear Jesus... I come to you now because you came and you became one of us. I know you know. I know you understand. I also know that you have a great plan and great grace to take my life into a higher place. I invite you to lead me. I invite you into my world to change me. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says uh, that you are a new creation. For any man uh, being Christ, he is a new creation. Nobody that comes to Jesus will he turn aside. No one. He died for everyone. So I want to congratulate you on that decision. Let us know if we can help you. We want, we're here for you. We want to help you in any way that we can. You can contact us uh, through social media, uh, call the church, uh, all the different ways, and let us help you with your first steps in this new life. Uh, God bless you. Until the next time.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.